0: Welcome back to the platform. This is the Station House Audio Series streaming on the Spotify. We are on the road today talking to a guy who I've known for how long have we known each other, Larry? Five years, six years? It'd be about it'd be about that. We were in that Mexican prison together, but we don't talk about that. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. (laughs) But we had good times. We did have a good time, but we can't, can't talk about that. That voice you hear is Mr. Larry Broadbent. Larry is a railroader, he is a model railroader, he is a uh, steam fan, and uh, I think we're just going to call you Mr. Railroad, Larry, because I don't even know where to start with you. I mean, your entire life has been drenched in railroading, but I guess the best place to start would be from the very beginning. Um, tell our audience uh, a little bit about yourself, sort of where you were born, and and how the railroad bug uh, first bit you.
1: Well, I was... Uh... I was born in St. Thomas, which, uh, of course, everybody calls the Railway City. So, uh, I was pretty much surrounded by railroads all the time. My grandfather worked for the railroad, and uh, my grand my other grandfather was a kind of a railroad fan, and he uh, he knew that uh, he knew somebody up at, at the New York Central Station. To make a long story short, and he could he could go up there and uh, he'd go in and talk to him, find out when a train was coming and then he'd come and grab me. I'd probably be about three or four years old, and we'd go out and he'd, we'd stand on the platform of the station, and uh, he'd hang, hang on to my hand, and I, my earliest remember, remember, remembrance is uh, seeing a pair of F units on a New York Central freight train heading east through the station, and if you know St. St. Thomas going east, the head end doesn't stop, the tail end stops, so he went roaring through there at uh, probably about 30 miles an hour, and scared they living crap right out of me it's stayed with me forever so so for for our audience members who
0: are not familiar with the lay of the land in saint thomas try and describe for us what is uh special about saint thomas especially the saint thomas of your youth sort of lay out the railway scene of why it became known as the railway city what was what was going on railway wise
1: well just just about every railway in canada went went through uh saint thomas and the American railways we all went through St. Thomas. We had uh, Norfolk and Western, CN, CP, CNO, New York Central, uh, at, at one time P S.
0: Which stands for?
1: The London and Port Stanley. London and Port Stanley. And it was an, an electric interurban railroad. Yeah. So uh, growing up in the late 50s, early 60s, it was really impossible not to be affected by Railroads in in Saint Thomas.
0: Yeah, so we had the so let's name them. So we had the uh, CN Cayuga Sub that ran through town. Yeah. And the Norfolk and Western ran on the CN. I think this confuses. Yeah, I think this yeah. confuses a lot of people because uh, I know myself when I'm when I'm describing things about my own modeling interests, I reference the connection with the Norfolk and Western at Tilsonburg, which is just down the line from Saint Thomas. Um, but the Norfolk and Western was actually running on CN's Cayuga sub. Yes, but they had the running rights through there. And then we had CP, uh, their, their line at a Woodstock, uh, the Saint, which was a St. Thomas sub. Mm-hmm. that came into town. yep. And then we had the Queso, which is the Canada Southern. Uh, that's where you saw your New York the New York Central F units. yep. And then the London and Port Stanley Interurban. And then, wasn't there an old Pierre Marquette line that came into town? Yeah, the... b-
1: before it was CNO, it, w- it was Pierre Marquette. Marquette. My memories, uh, it probably a little bit before, like, I'm sure I was around when it was Pierre Marquette, but uh, I would be very small. But uh-huh. uh, yeah. my earliest memories, it was uh, CNO by then. It was CNO, CNO by, by then. the time you were there. It, and, it's like it used to be uh, Wabash before the Norfolk and Western. Yeah. And I think I have uh, memories of the Wabash. Yeah. Again, I was very young then
0: yeah so um, the so so your 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 paternal grandfather was a railroader hmm and which railway did he work for
1: New York Central
0: New York Central was he based in St. Thomas yeah okay and we're gonna talk about that
1: paternal no that would be my metron- dad's
0: your dad's dad no it was the other way around yeah, yeah. Your mom's dad, your maternal grandfather yes. was the railroader. Yeah. Your your dad's dad, your paternal grandfather was the rail fan. Right. Yes. So that's a bit of irony. <laughs> yeah. You had a grandfather <laughs> yeah. who was a railroader, but it was the other grandfather who wasn't a railroader who actually exposed you to railroads.
1: Yeah, cuz the <laughs> the one working on the railroad didn't want to spend his spare time <laughs> with them to do with the railroad. He was too busy working. <laughs> yeah.
0: What a what a what a blessing though to have two grandfathers with a you know an interest or a foot in 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 the hobby of rail fanning and and one is a career yeah okay so you're three or four years old it's the late fifties uh, you're down uh, in front of the Canada Southern station and what are you seeing besides F units what's what's going through there back in that day
1: oh a lot of a lot of GP sevens and GP nines mm-hmm. of course F F units and then uh, uh, a lot of E-units on on the passenger trains. There was a, a 730 passenger train, number th- 351. And uh, quite often, I, I lived about uh, a 10 minute walk from the station or a five minute bicycle ride. And uh, so quite often I'd come down there and meet that or to watch that 351 come in. It, it ran pretty good on schedule, but- And it stopped. Oh yeah, just seeing those E-units come in all those stainless steel cars with the steam going through them seeing the people get on and off it's like it's a great time it's great did,
0: did the passenger crews ever change um, did they ever change passenger crews at St. Thomas oh yeah
1: St. Thomas was a, always a always crew a crew change, change. Yep. yeah yeah
0: it, w- it was what they called the division point was yep. it not a yep. division point yard yeah yeah
1: but yeah I, three, 351 I love that and those those e-units I, I still say they're the smoothest sounding locomotive I've ever heard with those yeah. pair of 12-cylinder engines in them.
0: Just, yeah, they actually have two prime movers, do they not? Yeah,
1: two, two 12-cylinder engines.
0: Two 12-cylinder engines, yeah. I've never heard one in, in person, but uh, they certainly sound great in video. I can only imagine what it would have been like in the late 50s to, yeah, to, yeah. to be on see the platform. see going, them going through there. Yeah. yeah. Now was your grand Was your grandfather a uh, a summertime rail fanner, or uh, would he take you down there in the wintertime as well? Do you no. remember seeing the trains in the snow?
1: Not at that time. Like by the time I was older, like uh, seven, eight years old, and I of course back then, when you're seven or eight years old in a little town of St. Thomas, yeah, there was no issue with you taking off and yeah going away from home. You know.
0: Yeah, it's <laughs> so, totally a different scene. today.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I was always down around the railroad. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah I, 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 know a kid who grew up in Woodstock had the same, uh, had the same. <laughs> put a lot of miles on a bicycle. Yeah. I think there was a lot of us rail fans who put a lot of miles on our bicycles.
1: Exactly. I like. I always, uh, when when I'm looking through my my early pictures I'll take it back in the '70s. It's like people kind of go, well, did did you ever get to Woodstock, or did you ever get to uh, Well. And I always say, it's a little, it was a long trip on my bike. So, no, I pretty much was limited to St. Thomas area. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever get a chance to ride one of the passenger trains out of no. St. Thomas as a ticket? Oh, it's a ticket holder, As a, as yeah. a ticket holder? Yep, Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Do, do you remember any of those trips, where you went and who you were with?
1: Yeah, well, I can remember, uh, I, I actually rode the last uh, Penn Central train from Windsor to, to St. Thomas. Oh, really? Yeah, because uh, my uh, my grandfather, who worked on the railroad, he, he uh, we had relatives in Windsor, so he took the, the train down to uh, to visit. And uh, I knew this was going to be the, the last trip, so I, I talked to my mom and dad to take the day off school. And I, I, I got a ticket for the morning train. I forget number 14, but I'm not sure. That left up like, like about 7 o'clock in the morning. So I rode that down to Windsor and, and met him in Windsor. Spent spent the day in Windsor with him, and then we took the probably three fifty one back. And that was Penn Central at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it probably wasn't three fifty one. Probably later. Anyways, we 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 took the last train back to Saint Thomas.
0: What did your grandfather do for the railway?
1: He was a tinsmith.
0: A tinsmith. Yeah. Interesting.
1: Yeah, the the, uh, the track pans. The steam engines that was one of his jobs.
0: Describe track pans to our audience who may not know what a track pan is.
1: Uh, in uh, steam days on New York Central they would have this pan in, in, in between the rails that would probably be like a quarter mile long and it was full of water and uh, when the steam engines were coming along at speed you know 50 mile an hour they would drop a, a scoop into that pan and literally take water on water on the fly and you sure knew when the
0: tender was full.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't want to be. I never saw this. This was before my, my time, but uh, yeah, I understand that you wouldn't want to be uh, standing anywhere near that when it happens because water flies everywhere. I've I've got pictures of my grandfather standing with his crew in a track pan.
0: So that so so the the maintenance of these these track pan, um, track pans uh, that was part of his his job responsibility yeah. at one time. Yeah, and then I imagine that that particular job would have sort of tailed off when the track pans weren't being used anymore did he retire at that time or did he move on to something else no
1: no like there was uh, as, as a tinsmith there was many other jobs like he he worked on the the eaves troughs on the on the station in St. Thomas uh, put new eaves up uh, it was he was just one of that one of the tradesmen that i see yeah so it's, he retired there when he was 65 one of the, one of the things that
0: one of the things that i find interesting is um, I don't consider myself a young guy and I'm I don't consider myself an old guy I'm for you know at 44 I'm sort of maybe in the happy center maybe leaning a little more towards the old guy now but there's a lot of jobs in the railway that a lot of people including myself uh, fail to consider yeah. Like you just said here's a tinsmith and we're thinking it's got to be always has to be something related to equipment mm-hmm. or the track structure yeah, you're right. Somebody's got to fix or install eaves troughing on the stations. I mean, like being building and bridges, guys, and
1: yep. that type of thing. Anything I think that, goes... was, that was tin. He's, he, yeah. It was in, in fact, then, of course, the railways was... were very uh, uh, union-structured, and uh, you they had certain people that did certain things. And...
0: That's right. Yeah. Yeah, the union's very, very big in the railway.
1: Actually, when I uh, was wound up working on the railway in the shop there, we, we had a tinsmith. Right. Right. Almost, you know, say the last till about the last five years. Maybe. Yeah. Well, there's
0: always some sort of metal to bend or, yeah. you know, there's fabrication used to be a, a very big, uh, big thing.
1: Yeah. They made everything.
0: Well, and, and the the shop that was uh, in St. Thomas, uh, the New York Central had a had a massive shop. It's still there today as part of uh, the Elgin County uh, Museum, Railway Museum. Um that was a fabrication shop wasn't it they actually made things there oh yes yes
1: yeah Yeah, they they made locomotives in there
0: yeah yeah as opposed to you know like a a light repair shop where maybe they just changed an air hose or put knuckles and couplers they made things there oh yeah and so I could see the trades being very strong Mm -hmm. in St. Thomas yeah do do you recall ever watching them doing any freight switching in St. Thomas or was it mostly just this passenger train business oh
1: no no if I, I'll de- de- digress a little bit to how I wound up being at the station, because as a, as a kid, I thought, well, the last place I want to be hanging around is the station, because I'm going to get the bums rush out of there, right? <laughs> and so uh, my buddy, who I used to hang around with, he, uh, his uncle was the uh, New York Central cop.
0: Oh, perfect.
1: So one time we, we were down around BX Tower cause we didn't go near the station. Cause like the, the yard at that time was taboo. You know, you didn't go in the yard area. But so we, we were, we'd go down to BX Tower and we were kind of just hanging around the tracks down there. And his uncle pulls up as a New York Central. He was on duty. Yeah, on duty. Yeah. And he goes, what are you guys doing here? And, oh, we're just uh, waiting for a train to go by. Oh, he says, uh, well, we got we got reports that kids were throwing stones around here wasn't you was it I go, no no it wasn't us and it wasn't and he goes well he says why are you staying out here anyway We're just because we thought it would be nice to see a train go by well he says go down to the station he says and there's baggage carts down there just go down to the station plunk your butts on on one of them carts then watch the trains go by then nobody nobody will care okay great so off we head to the station and from that was the the, the turning point yeah. instead of standing along the line somewhere yeah we were i was invited to the station and i never left
0: <laughs> in fact we're there right now as we're, yeah. as we're recording this we're at the saint thomas station and larry's still sitting on a baggage cart yeah, yeah.
1: i i sat Larry, so many it's time hours to go home. so many hours on that <laughs> baggage cart and uh, like i i used to love watching them switch because because they did flat switching, kicking cars.
0: Yeah, what they have for power back then?
1: It'd be a GP seven or GP nine.
0: Yeah, high high nose. Yeah, yeah, yeah high hoods. Yeah. Yep,
1: and it was like there was a four o'clock afternoon yard job. Come on, and they'd get the CN interchange and the CP interchange and go down to the iron foundry and service that, and would be sitting on the on the baggage cart watching this going on. And I used to love love them switching because they'd, they'd go out with like about. 20 cars down the main past bx tower and then just start shoving them in they yeah. pull the pin and letting them roll there'd be cars rolling all over that yard so just to paint paint the lay of the land
0: for the folks the 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 canada southern station where, where uh, your your baggage cart was uh your private your private viewing platform yeah
1: which is uh, that
0: was on the north side of the tracks and then what you're referring to as bx tower it sat a little bit railway uh west correct yeah. of the station yeah
1: probably about a third of a mile quarter of a mile
0: yeah quarter mile and what was the purpose of bx tower what was going on with the tracks there that there was a tower there
1: well that that was where the uh the lmps which was later bottled by the cn crossed over the uh
0: so at grades was a diamond
1: yeah yeah a pair of diamonds actually there was three at one time because uh the uh, yard the new york central yard lead used to go across there too and they had a switching lead okay so there used to be three three diamonds there.
0: So you had so you had double so going east and west you had double track New York Central Maine yeah a yard a yard lead yeah so those three tracks were bisected by a single yeah. L- LMPS, L M L M P S which later became C N yes line
1: now okay. I've I've uh, been told that there that there was a one of the worst railway disasters in in Canada for loss of life took place at, at that location where Ellen uh, I guess it was. I don't think it was an LPS train because getting in don't want to get in the history of it too fire but uh Pierre, Mar- Pierre Marquette used to run on that that line great western I think used to run on that line but anyways there was a uh, two trains that collided there before BX tire was built and one had a lot of oil cars on it coming from uh Petrolia from the oil yeah. fields around Petrolia the Sarnia area yeah yeah and there was a big a, a big fire and uh Many people were killed, and then one of the, the cars finally exploded, and so it was like a a very bad a bad day on the railway. A bad road. day on the railway, yeah. and so uh, that, that's when I understand they they decided to build a tower there to to control that.
0: Okay, and was there not a connecting track there? Because didn't how did the the old Père Marquette or in in your day, uh, the the CNO, the Chesapeake and Ohio, and later Chessie. How did they get on to the queso there? Wasn't there sort of a, they had to do a little
1: Yeah, there, there was a
0: snakey snake through there to...
1: Yeah, there was, there was a, like, oh, it was an actual why, but yeah, there was a, a connection between the, uh, the LMPS and the uh, queso, if you the, want to call it, the, the queso, queso. Yeah. from the uh, north side and the south side.
0: So just to paint a word picture for our audience who may not be familiar with the lay of the land, from St. Thomas to Windsor, Ontario, the old Paramarquette line and the New York Central line ran separately on separate tracks, but they came together at St. Thomas and ran on the Canada Southern. So the Paramarquette and and the CNO, they had to connect onto the Canada Southern at St. Thomas at BX, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So as a kid with your butt plunked on a baggage cart, it wasn't just New York Central you were seeing.
1: Oh no, no, like uh,
0: you would have had the CNO action as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And you'd always hear. Uh, actually, the the CNO had to run on the LPS for about uh, half a mile.
0: It was sort of a Z pattern. Yeah, yeah that They had to do. Yeah, they're
1: like yeah, exactly. So, so yeah. Uh, they they would come off their their track, go pi- past their locomotive facility with a curve onto the LPS, run on the LPS for half a mile, and then. Curve off to the uh, to the east and connect to the Queso uh, or New York Center, whatever we would want to call it. That would have
0: really gummed up the works when a big CNO freight came through. Oh, yeah.
1: And it was uphill, too, because uh, sitting on my baggage cart, <laughs> I would, I'd always know when there was CNO coming, because you'd hear that rumble that uh, as they were coming up the hill. And, and then, of course, when they're going around that curve, they'd have to throttle them up. So they were coming uh, uphill from their yard, to Yeah, yeah to, it was a uh, bit of an uphill grade. So, yeah, there, there was a okay. definite rumble of, you know, you could, you could hear them long before you could see them going, oh, I think better to see it all coming.
0: Tell me something as, as a, a guy who, uh, you're not an old guy. Uh, and I, and I, you're not an old guy and I'm not a young guy. We're, I think we're both bouncing around in the middle, but you have a little more experience than I do. <laughs> um, when I look back at pictures of St. Thomas uh, from that era, I notice that most of the power is predominantly General Motors' power. Is that is that the case, or am I just did I miss something by not looking at the right photos?
1: Um, it's always Jeeps and Fs and Es and. There was a uh my my memories of Penn Central. There there was a lot of uh, there was GE's and Alcos. I can't remember, but GE's and Alcos go through there. C and O had some GE's go through there.
0: Now before the merger, when it was pure NYC, uh, it was pretty pretty much GM power, though, was it not, or? Well,
1: I don't. You mean like before when Penn it was Central? was New York Central on the case. Yeah, so, that's, yeah, that's sort of before my... Yeah. Th- that I was really aware of.
0: But even in like, you're you're quite a photographer, and we're going to talk about that. Even through the pouring of, through different photographs and, and things of, of of others, have you ever come across... Like, was there ever... Did New York Central ever have any Elcos? Oh, yeah. In, in Canada?
1: Oh, I'm not sure about New York Central. Yeah, it's just the, the, yeah. Can, the Canada Penn, part. But I would think... Well, I know, I know, Penn Central had lots of them.
0: Okay, so once the merger happened, that's maybe when it opened up. Yeah, because yeah. when I look at old photos of St. Thomas in the in the New York Central days, it like I say, it's always Fs and Es on the passenger, and and like you said, the the the, the yard switching was Jeep sevens, Jeep nines. I know the CNO ran a lot of Jeeps.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah, so I guess I know for
1: a fact that New York Central had GE's because I, I've seen seen pictures. Okay. Other people that Haven. ran through Saint Thomas. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So you used to go down there and watch them um, do yard switching. Was that more of an evening thing? Did they have like an evening job on?
1: Yeah, the, the four o'clock job. The four o'clock job. Which, let's uh, say he would he would do the uh, the local interchanges, industries, and then uh, by that time WX two would come from uh, Windsor, and he'd come, he'd come in the yard. So then the uh, yard job would take his train of heart. Part and make up uh, the Hagersville turn, which was more in my my t- time. Before that, they were. I can think they go all the way to uh, to my which
0: is Niagara Falls. Yeah, basically. yeah, yeah. But
1: yeah, so his 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 job would be to take the Windsor local apart and make up the east local. What's we would call the east local. Yeah. And then uh, he'd be on duty until that the east local got out of town, and so he usually went home at like about ten o'clock.
0: Did the London and Port Stanley ever interchange into the yard there? Did they ever hand cars off at St. Thomas that you recall?
1: They had their own line going in there from the, uh, the north side. That, that curved past the north side of BX Tower. And uh, their passenger trains went in there because it oh, okay. was electrified. But I don't, think, I don't think the freight went in there. I, I, I think the, the freight went over on the uh, south side. There was a bit of an interchange yard there.
0: Okay. The London and Port Stanley, their freight traffic, I know, had those. Uh, everybody has seen those Sterling Fuels uh, yeah. green tank cars. Do you remember seeing those? Oh, or, yes. yes. Yeah. There were strings of them. Yes. There. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, they were, they were pr- pretty iconic to going on the LNPS there.
0: Yeah. I have one on my model railroad. It's, uh, I think it's an old Titchy uh, kit. Um, but, of course, they were out of service during my modeling era. But to pay homage to the Sterling Fuels uh, tank cars, I, I have one sitting sort of an OCS service as an old water tank sitting oh, yeah. in a in a in a track in uh, in my model of Beachville Ontario, but uh, yeah they were they were something that would have really really stood out. Um, when you were watching them switch in Saint Thomas, uh, back during your childhood. Did you have certain cars or cer- certain types of freight cars or certain railways that were a favorite of yours that you would look for? Um, were, you, were you much of a freight car guy at that time?
1: No, no, I really, no, I can't say I re- really was. I was more of a just watching the, the operation and the marshalling and switching of cars. And- You're not an engine guy, are you, Larry? so many guys are engine guys (laughs) I I definitely knew a lot more about engines than I I did about cars to me a car was something that the engines
0: another engine guy (laughs) it's a totally different pandemic it's engine guys
1: (laughs) let's say I didn't take many pictures of freight cars
0: (laughs) I'm sure you didn't (laughs) Uh, I. I have this I have this running this running gag with with my my buddies and uh, and I've shared with the podcast audience before. I'm more of a freight car hound. I'm really not much of an engine oh, guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean everybody loves to see the big alcos and things, the more animated locomotives, but uh, I always say that, you know, there's maybe two or three engines, but there's probably 100 cars. Yeah. So yeah. I spend I spend my time on the on the freight cars. <laughs> but I guess I guess in that era though, there would have been especially in St. Thomas you would have seen um, cars coming out of Heinz Ketchup?
1: Oh, many. In yeah.
0: Leamington? Yeah,
1: the, yeah. West, the West Local would bring them in, WX2.
0: Yeah, did they have Heinz painted cars at that time, yeah. or did that come later?
1: No, I, I can remember uh, cars painted with Heinz on them.
0: Okay, yeah, they, so that was at Leamington. So how the, the Heinz plant was at Leamington? Leamington would be how, how many miles, roughly track time west of St. Thomas? Would it be an hour west?
1: uh more than that more than that yeah it's uh it's almost getting down to around essex area so uh i i well they would never just go go down there like the uh, the, the local would have work going down there and it, it was an all day like they, they would leave st thomas at nine o'clock and eight or nine o'clock in the morning and usually to get back 7 or 8 o'clock at so night. So that
0: Leamington plant would have been serviced out of St. Thomas? So if I understand, St. Thomas sort of had an east local and a west local?
1: Yeah, but the Leamington plant was not on the main line. There was a branch line went from Comber, and they had a, an engine stationed in uh, Leamington. Okay. And its only job was to look after the Leamington switching and bring those cars up to Comber every day.
0: Okay. So the, ro- so the, the, the local road switcher job out of St. Thomas would just interchange at comber, comber yeah. and the other engine would look after yeah after and, the branch. and the
1: and the track down there was always terrible going down to leamington it was like a 10 mile an hour
0: five, five,
1: five to ten mile an hour <laughs> trip down there so it was like a uh one and a half hour trip to get from Comber to leamington <laughs> yeah
0: what else do you remember from those early uh rail fanning days uh off your baggage cart perch you've got the the switching uh, you've got the L N P S. You've got the the New York Central uh, passenger passenger trains. Do you remember anything else stand out from from those days, either special moves or special equipment or things you saw?
1: Um, no, not not too much. I, I, I can remember. I don't know if we want to go there or not, but uh, I can remember going through the garbage a lot. <laughs> Let's go there because <laughs> there there they had all the uh, in the uh, by, by the station not far from where I was. I sat the there was like about 10 garbage pails, big 45-gallon drums. Yeah. And I, I, I learned that when I looked in there that...
0: Well, you got to eat.
1: <laughs> 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 is that it was like a treasure trove of railroad collectibles. Yeah. And like books and timetables. What are
0: some of the things you pulled out of there that you recall?
1: Oh, books, timetables, any, any kind of pad, like a notepad, like everything had New York Central, Penn Central. And it was like a gold mine to me. <laughs> Yeah, so, Half a ham sandwich. <laughs> no, I never got <laughs> much of that. But uh, definitely I mean, a lot of the stuff that I collected came out of the garbage pails yeah. there.
0: Isn't that, isn't that amazing? I, I have other other friends who have a, a real uh, historical uh, bent to them. And there, there's no shame in dumpster diving, uh, especially when a, an office is being closed or they're going to demolish a building.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: A lot of the good stuff that's in the basements and the attics tend to yeah. end up in the dumpster
1: it's amazing how much stuff they they threw out brand new you know timetables
0: yeah well i think on a big outfit like new york central i mean there was so much money at that time probably then you know that what are they going to do with it yeah they just especially with a timetable i mean when it's out of date it's out of date it's
1: yeah it's well we could uh uh, i spent that time on the baggage cart but then I, i i progressed a quarter mile west to, to bX tower and uh, got to know the operator in bX tower and
0: uh now you had a place to stand when it was raining
1: yeah i i, I so he was uh <laughs> I, I must have had the, the ability to not be to, to come across as not being too crazy <laughs> because i like i had i got to have, you know a lot of railroaders that would uh, allow me to come in and talk to them so he invited me up to BX Tower. I got to be great friends with him. And uh, I spent many, many, many hours in BX Tower.
0: Do you remember his name?
1: Yeah, Mel Robbins.
0: Mel Robbins, okay. Uh, there might be somebody out there listening who maybe is a relative or knows actually, his name. Actually, I,
1: I know his, I think his grandson who lives in, Cal- in Calgary and we, uh, he's been here sitting, we're here sitting a few times. And we stay stay connected. and.
0: Oh, well, that's neat! What a what a neat uh, what a neat lineage, Larry. What do you think it is about railroaders? And I listen in any profession, in any career line, there's always going to be those people who are crusty. There's always going to be the go get away from me, kid, you bother me types. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I find that railroaders and people who are involved in the railroad even you know either uh, rail, railroad cops or or you know b and b guys whatever they tend to be a fairly inviting lot if you show a little bit of interest what what do you think that why do you think that is
1: i, I well i because I, I think they they may not want to admit it but they enjoy enjoy their job like they're 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 they were proud of the of what they were doing yeah and if they found somebody that they thought isn't uh, too too goofy and they get trust and uh, they would they love talking about it
0: it's 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 sort of sad in a way when you consider to today's world the the way things are today um i've said before and i'll say it again it's very difficult today for an enthusiastic young young lad or young lady uh to get close to industry yes Um, my, my, my father is, is retired, but my, my dad is a retired, uh, heavy equipment operator. And I don't mind saying now, I don't think anybody from the ministry of labor would care. Dad's retired and it was years ago, but I actually remember being in the seventh or eighth grade, excuse me, going to visit my dad on a job site and my dad actually taking a coffee break and telling me to load topsoil into dump trucks while he had his coffee. Yeah. That would never happen today I nope. mean, that there would be fines the job would be shut down there'd be an investigation but I remember one day my dad and his boss sitting on the tailgate of a pickup truck and uh, I was I, I believe I was in seventh grade at the time and I spent about a half an hour just loading um, topsoil uh, into dump trucks while my dad and his boss watched me and had a coffee break that yeah. just wouldn't happen today no. and, and, and bringing it back to, to railroading um, here you are up in the tower uh, you know, making friends with this tower tower operator, and he
1: and he taught me how to run the tower, and and, and let you hands on. I was I was lining like like that train. I used to go and watch. I was lining the routes for it, and uh, like pulling the pulling the levers and, thro- and throwing the crossovers. And yeah, uh, there was a teletype machine there that was always uh, it would only normally print out things that were for the BX tower. You no, know, that were addressed to there, but Mel knew. A little lever he could pull inside the machine, and they would print out everything that was going over, over the, the, the teletype. and I'd wow. sit there and watch you know, you know everything, like what was happening in Chicago, ev- everywhere on the, on the, the Penn Central at the time. Well, you'd sit there and watch all this information, and uh, I loved at BX Tower. It, it, if there was times I would, uh, quite often, I would leave school and I'd go right to BX Tower. And hang out with with Mel. I'd go to your your fish and chips. We'd get get fish and chips. Come back up there. We'd have fish and chips up there, and I'd always hang around there until the passenger trains come in. And if I was really lucky, I, there was one that came in around nine thirty, ten o'clock, from uh, from the west, and I that would be the one I'd, I'd 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 stick around for unless it was going to be late for some reason. And, and I can still remember lugging out to the west, and you could see them coming because. Uh, all the trees and stuff would be lit up from the headlight eh? coming down the tracks. And I'd have the, the road all wind in for them and get them by and then OS them by the, and say, see you later, Mel. <laughs> and they never never seemed to mind me hanging around. It yeah. was, was great.
0: Until the next day you went to school and your teacher said, Larry, where's your math homework? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. you see, Mrs. Johnson, I uh, <laughs> I had fish and chips with Mel up at the tower <laughs> at the and, uh, and the... kind of didn't get my my quadratic functions homework done. <laughs>
1: You yeah, know, well, it great.
0: It, it, it's funny, though, because you, what what years are we talking here?
1: Oh, Man, that would be, I'd probably be in, uh, I, was going to, I was in public school, Merle Street. That would, so that would be, I'd be grade six. So what would that be? Uh, 11, 12 years old?
0: Yeah, so you're like, we're, we're talking mid-60s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we're in Penn Central era. Yeah. Yeah, and you see, where I come from, your education that day didn't stop when you left school. When you climbed the stairs to that tower, Larry was get young Larry Broadbent was getting extra education. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, stuff I was really interested in. Exactly, Yeah. exactly. And that more or less formed my whole future.
0: From Professor Mel, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's interesting that later in life, we look back and realize now what we didn't realize then, was just how impressionable some of those experiences were. They didn't seem that, I mean, they were special in the moment. I mean, if you're OSing a passenger train at WX Tower and you're pulling the rods and levers, I mean, that's way cool at the time. Yeah. But it's probably not until now, later in life, when you look back and think,
1: Wow. Wow. Oh, I got to do that. That, that <laughs> was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was so lucky to be able to do that. You know, yeah. Can you imagine, like, you, that wouldn't happen now.
0: No, there's just no way. There's no way.
1: People are just too too paranoid about what's, you know, they're yeah. going to get their loser job.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: And then I, I uh, once I've, I I progressed from the BX Tower, I, I, from working in BX Tower, I got to know dispatchers and chief dispatchers down in the station. And in fact, one of the uh, dispatchers used to come out to Pinafore Park, was kind of skipping ahead a little bit, but he would come out to Pinafore Park. By this time, I was working on the the train at Pinafork Park yeah, which train. we're going to
0: talk about later yeah, but yeah yeah
1: and uh I met him out there and uh, he took his little girl for a ride and then he says uh, of course we got talking trains he says well I'm 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 a d- dispatcher here in the at the station there on the afternoon shift if you want come up and see me sometime well that was like okay I opened up another door so I went up and I started I got got to know him up there. Do
0: you remember his name?
1: Uh Charlie Beckett.
0: Charlie Beckett. And
1: he's still involved in the uh the uh, Elton County Railway Museum. But our, so he invited me up there so I started going up there and then I, I got to know the the chief dispatcher Sam Baker, who was a crusty old railroader. <laughs>
0: There's one in every lot. Oh yeah, but yeah. he but he he
1: had no he, he had no problem with me. You know, we we got along fine, but I used to love listening to him on the phone cuz he was he would tell everybody the way it was, and that's no the way nonsense. it was. <laughs> no nonsense. Yeah,
0: no nonsense. That's like, probably why he was the chief.
1: Yeah, I I remember if he'd be getting a call from the United States, from someplace in the states, and he didn't like what they were asking him, and he'd give him some, he'd, he'd give him the answer, and then he'd slam the phone down. I go, oh, Sam's not happy. <laughs> yeah. But then when I was hanging around in the in the uh, dispatcher's office, which I did a lot, and nobody ever complained, I. I got. I would bring a tape recorder up with me, and I would sit there and I I would re- record them doing their for the night d- dispatching trains. And as I look at it now, I think I'm going. Can you imagine doing that now in this day and age, going up and re- recording in the dispatcher's office? The RTC's doing their their job. Do you still have
0: some of those? Oh recordings? yeah,
1: yeah. They're on uh, uh, Terry the Terry Link it's the Kansas Southern Railroad website.
0: How would our how would our audience find that they would what would they google or any idea what they would canada
1: canada southern i think it's canada southern website
0: okay so just google canada southern yeah, and uh, terry link is a friend of ours and yeah. terry links canada southern and it'll come up and people can listen to yeah, that
1: because i cause I, uh, I put him on his i gave him his to put on his site what's yeah and uh, so yeah and there's oh and it's like it's really interesting stuff because you you can hear trains coming into the station. You can hear the talk to the carmen and then the dispatcher, and and you can actually hear when they open up leaving town, going by the station. You you can hear the old uh, hear the building rattling, as it, you know, the...
0: So this the the station is quite something in Saint Thomas. There's pictures of it online. People can check it out. The Canada Southern or Caso C A S O as we call it, the Caso Station in Saint Thomas was a divisional headquarters crew change there. The dispatching was it upstairs? hmm The dispatching was upstairs. Um, so would they their dispatching territory would be the Canada Division? Yeah. So from Niagara Falls to Windsor on Fort Erie. Yeah. Oh yeah, Fort Erie actually. Yep. Yeah, Fort Erie. Niagara Falls. Niagara to Falls. To Windsor. And and Windsor. Yeah. Yeah. So Larry, you you went on actually those those relationships that you were forging as a as a young man. Uh, with the at BX tower and in the dispatching office. You later uh, came to be an employee of the Penn Central, but we're going to talk about that um, in our next episode. But let's finish out this first episode by uh, just finishing up sort of the, the, the things that that, um, that influenced you uh, as a young man. So you've got the, the grandfather, the non-railroading grandfather, yeah. Yeah. who took you to the station uh, you've got these these friendships forged with railroaders, and then there were a couple of rail uh, railroads that were in uh, de- parks or tourist destination parks in the London St. Thomas area. One was in Springbank Park, mm-hmm. which some people may know was home to what was called Storybook Gardens. Yep. Uh, back in the back in the day, uh, tell us about your exposure to that railway and sort of what that what the equipment was, the track set up and. What was going on with the railway at Springbank Gardens in your day?
1: Well, our, our our family, were we used to we used to used to picnic a lot, and normally in Pinafore Park in St Thomas, but every now and again, we'd uh, we'd go to London to Storybook Gardens because that was like something special. Storybook Gardens was like a uh, uh, a park where they had animals like seals, and it, it was as a uh, five year old kid, it was. A pretty fantastic place. <laughs>
0: I remember. Yeah, yeah.
1: And we'd uh, go, we'd go there, but also outside of Storybook Gardens, there was a a train that ran, and it was like a, a I'm just guessing twelve inch gauge track. It's just like a small train, and it was a uh, a Cagney. It was the the train locomotive was built by a company called Cagney. And it was live steam. Yeah, and it was actually a steam locomotive, and it hauled probably about four cars, and the track was maybe a quarter of a mile of track circle and uh i used to love that so i, I, I would always have to go for on the train and the the, the guy that, that ran it i think his name was i know his last name was kennedy i'm not sure his first name but uh he was an old guy that uh owned that train and he was always there him and his wife that ran it and i must have got a bit of a made friends with him anyway which i seemed to have the ability to do and uh so he invited me to go for a ride on the engine, which, because it's just a little engine, is, means you ride on the tender sitting behind him. And uh, so off we, we went, and I remember him uh, letting me blow the whistle. And I mean, I'm, I'm very young at this time, I'm probably like five or six years old. And that was like the, uh, the, the point where I learned about steam. And ne- I never changed from that time on, I've always had an interest in steam.
0: So the 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 steam at the steam train at Springbank Park uh how would they how would they uh service the engine? Did they have a little coal pile there or yeah. a little water tank? Or? Yeah, it was
1: just of course it was just a tiny engine so it uh, yeah they they just shovel in some coal into into the tender. They had a a little shop that they could run the train into off a spur off one one side. The the train is still there, but it's uh is it operational? Or, yeah, it's still operational, but it's long ago been uh, converted to a gas engine yeah so which, which just took the life right out of it for me but yeah. at least it's still there so was
0: it were, were the cars the type where the passengers sat on a on a seat that was attached to the no you the you, car? Were,
1: you could sit in the. you could
0: sit in the car yeah
1: you were okay. sitting inside the car with a little top on it so mm-hmm. yeah
0: hmm. and you say it was about a quarter mile loop yeah yeah
1: that would be my guess would be about a quarter mile loop yeah okay. but I love that that train that was like the, the high point of Going over to Springbank Park just to, to see yeah. go for a ride on that train. All
0: right, let's get done with the egg salad sandwiches here. I got a train to ride. Let's get this pic- <laughs> let's get this picnic yeah. business cleaned up. I got a train to ride. Right. right. So that wasn't so that was a live steam influence for you. Yeah. And then another sort of tourist destination community park was in Saint Thomas, Ontario, and actually was kind of across the street from the CNO's facility. Yeah. Somewhat, uh, and it was called Pinafore Park. Mm-hmm. Tell us about the railway that was there.
1: Well, I, that was about a 10-minute bike about a 10-minute bike ride again. <laughs> but um, anyways, I, I there was word uh, came down that uh, they were going to build a steam train in Pinupore Park 1963. About 63, 63. in that, that neck, neck yeah. of the woods, so I guess I'd be about 8 and I thought, "Oh, great, great." So uh we went out to to see it. My I mean, my parents took me out there to see it uh, when they were still building it. And they they had a on this one they had a 42 inch gauge a lot bigger uh, 040T steam engine and my my first uh, thought when I saw it was disappointment because I I didn't recognize this thing I'd never seen a big 040T steam engine I've always seen the little 440 replica Cagney locomotive that were pretty cool looking they but small I go well oh, what this is weird but anyways I watch the operator watched them build the, the the railway and next thing you know i i got to be friends with the the son of the uh, person that was building it and started and i started hanging around the, around there all the time with I'd, I'd bike out from my house and got to be friends with him by this time that the train was running uh, he was a conductor on the train got to wear the you know the conductor's hat that uh, probably I think it came from from the CPR. Yeah. Cuz uh, the people that built it, the Broadbears they were both CP guys.
0: Yeah. That, there's there's a name that our audience will know. Uh Don Broadbear is a I call him a legendary. He's a legend to me, but he's yeah. he's a uh, he's a, fab, a fabled I don't know if fables is the right word, but Don Broadbear for anyone who is uh, at all interested in in steam uh history or cpr history in canada will know the name don broadbear and in fact don's father percy uh, was also uh, a railroader
1: yeah it was percy that was the instigator of getting the train from huntsville where this train came from
0: huntsville ontario uh, up in the muskoka region north yeah the, of Toronto. It, it
1: came from uh it was closed down at the time but it used to run it was supposed to be the the shortest passenger hauling railway in Canada because it ran like a a mile and a half or something from t- between two lakes to carry people from steamboat to steamboat but anyways they are the uh, Percy was retiring and he wanted something to do so he got this uh, railway they brought it down to St. Thomas set it up and uh, of course that got my my attention I got to know uh, Don's son Roy and we struck up but he was he was probably about two years older two or three years older than I am. struck up a fr- friendship. I was hanging around all the time. Next thing I know I'm helping him be a conductor on the train and next thing I know, I got to wear the hat.
0: And I, under, I understand, I understand that you were uh, operating as a conductor at the Pinafore Park Railway at the tender age of nine.
1: Yeah, eight or nine, eight somewhere in there. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Well, I don't know, Larry, you sound kind of like the kind of guy that, you know, once, once somebody has you around, you kind of don't go away. <laughs> yeah,
1: and I, and I, I never seem to get on anybody's nerves. I, 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 must, I just must seem to know the, the limit of not being a pain <laughs> yeah
0: well listen you're certainly certainly not on my nerves in fact i hope i'm not on yours uh larry this has been fantastic and uh, i want to talk to you again because those days of hanging around the penn central uh in st thomas uh, afforded you a paycheck at some point and uh, we're going to come back and talk to larry some more about railroading with those mating worms the penn central thanks so much larry you're welcome. We'll talk to you again. That's fun. Via detector. Milepost 5.51. No alarm. Detector out.